And I'm just going to quickly read through it. It's not actually the scripture I'm going to be preaching out of, but it's where this message began. It's Ephesians 3, 7 to 11. It will come up on the screen. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace has given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The mystery of the gospel is, re is revealed. It's the church. And through the church, he says, he will make known God. There's a sense of awe and privilege around that, isn't it? That we are the church. <laughs> Who's the church? You're the church. I'm the church. We're the church. And through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Church is not a social club. This is not manly life social club with free babysitting by Chris and Jenna. It's not. It is social. But Jesus is part. Jesus, Jesus divinely created this community, this way of expressing himself through us. He is revealed through us to others as we partner with him and build his church. And he says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, I think of two things when I read that scripture. I think, yes, he will build his church. And then when he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, I think, why are you warning us about that? <laughs> because he wouldn't put that in there if it wasn't for a reason. There might be some opposition against that. But his, his purpose for the church will prevail. So let's just pray and then get into the message this morning. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being part of your beautiful, flawed, wondrous, incredible church. We thank you that you are the head, the steadfast, absolute head of the church. And we thank you that you ask us to co-work with you as the church body, the hands and feet of you in this church and in this community and beyond, in our workplaces, in our families, in our lives. And we pray, Lord God, that you would remind us this morning of the awe and wonder of your divine creation called the church. That you would remind us this morning of our part to play in the church. That you would remind us this morning of who you are and how you are revealed through us, the church. We thank you, Lord, that you would help us reset centralize the church in our hearts and in our minds. We thank you that we can be proud of the church because you're the head of the church. Yeah. You created the church and the church is moving forward in spite of anything coming against it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 1, 18-23. This is the passage that I'll be speaking out of, but I'll be speaking out of it in the message version. 
I'm just going to read it first from the NIV because some people don't think the message version is good enough. But Greg and I were talking earlier and we were saying to simple people like us, the message version is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 1, 18 to 23 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. God placed all things. Say all things. I think it's good just to like say that. God placed all things, universally, good and bad, diseases, demonic powers, global pandemics, principalities, all under Jesus' feet. <laughs> Why did he do that? Ephesians 1.22 in the New Living Translation gives us a clue. It's not going to come up on the screen, but it says, He gave him this authority for the benefit of the church. So the reason that Jesus is Lord of all, the reason that the Father made Jesus Lord of all things, is for the benefit of the church. Not the benefit of the world, not the benefit of a superpower, but for the benefit of the church. And the question I've been asking myself this week is, are we utilising this benefit? Are we really walking in this benefit? Because we carry the authority of Jesus. And Jesus has everything under his feet. <laughs> Incredible thought. The message version words Ephesians 1, 22 to 23 this way. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. The church is seen as not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body, in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. The power of Jesus is revealed through the church, the church being you and I. I want to talk about three things this morning. When the church is central, where it's meant to be, his power can be revealed. When the church is operating in its giftings and grace, his power will transform. When the church is filled with his presence, his power can reach others out of the overflow of what's in us. So let's start with number one. When the church is central, his power can be revealed. Jesus, who has the whole universe under his feet, has positioned the church as central to his role in running all things universally. And I wonder... What would we do to position the church as central to our very roles, responsibilities, vocations, callings, careers, albeit humble, comparatively to God's? How could we position the church as central? Because peripheral means related to or situated on the edge of something, the circumference of secondary or minor importance. But Paul is saying the church is not to be positioned on the edge of our world of secondary importance, but
but position the church centrally and position our world on the edge. Do you see the difference? Paul is saying that the church is not the circumference, the church is not surrounding the world. You are not in church one day to pep you up for the next six days. Although it sometimes does pep you up for the next six days. But as believers, whatever we do, pastor, preacher, builder, banker, babysitter, student, mother, father, whatever we are, whatever we do, as believers, what we do is spiritual and when we centre it with the body of Christ in front of us, it can bring all glory to God. I'm just seeing Renee here. I hadn't planned to say this out loud. She's a psychologist, a phenomenal psychologist. But she has the Lord and the body of Christ as her centre. And she carries influence when she speaks in church. You can hear, can't you, her training, her studies, her homework she's done, her experience, her vocation is brought through to give glory to God. It's phenomenal. There's a beautiful woman in my world, her name is Wendy Simpson. She's not here today, but she um, I've known her for many years and I forgot to bring the piece of paper up, but I'm all over it. It's all good. And I interviewed her one day. Now just to give you a glimpse into who she is, she's in global business arena. She was awarded an OAM Order of Australian Medal in 2013 for her work with disadvantaged young people and she's on the board of World Vision Australia. And I, she grew up in very humble beginnings. And I asked her, tell me about your journey. I asked her more of a specific question, but this is what she said. When we seriously understand that the God of all creation has invited us to co-create with him in whatever we do, it's so exhilarating. Our highest purpose is to be friends of God and our role is to delight in Him, to walk with Him. And as we do that, we start to see the world around us through His eyes. One of the main reasons He created humans is so we can do things with Him. If the world's wealthiest and most influential man, Jesus, offered to invest all His wisdom and resources in you, so together with Him you could achieve your life's purpose, would that spark you to scope out a smaller and big life? When we realise we don't have to live out life alone, that we have direct access to all the resources of heaven, then it changes how we see ourselves and the purpose of our lives. We don't have to expect a safe, small life. We can have a big, glory to God, life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? She just casually came up with that. <laughs> and I stole it. The church is not the circumference of our world. And I feel like when I was praying this week that globally a lot of Christians have put church to the circumference of our world. By default, by things that have happened, by how things have panned out through crazy life changes. But I believe that God wants us to re-centre the body of Christ where it's meant to be, in its rightful place. John 17, 16 says, Jesus says, we are in the world, but not of the world. So we operate in the world, 
doing all the things that God puts in our hands to do, but to the glory of God, to the benefit of the body of Christ. We're set apart by the truth of the gospel, but physically present and relatable to those around us. Is this okay? Right. Are we okay? Anyone walking out? Secondly, when the church is operating in giftings, his power transforms. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. What a privilege it is to do the work of Christ. You know, we hear about Dan at this building and that building, moving the church around. But he's still here. Guess what? Because he's the church. (laughs) And we're the church. And we're still here. It doesn't matter if you're in that building or this building. It doesn't matter if the church doesn't have a permanent home. Because the church is you and I. The church is the people. And the church manifests through the people to do God's work. You know, God has always honoured teamwork in leadership. Right from the beginning. Creation and redemption. God is revealed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even God never worked alone. God worked as a team, and he he encourages us to do the same. So we read about Moses through Exodus. If you've never read the story of Moses, I encourage you to read through it through Exodus. He had to leave a very tough church, a very tough crowd, not the fun, exciting, dynamic people of manly life, the dreary, complaining people of Israel. And some days Moses wanted to kill them and God prevented him. Other days God wanted to kill them and Moses prevented him. And I am just grateful that God and Moses didn't have a bad day on the same day because it would have changed the course of history. But Moses was being all things to all people. He was the counsellor, he was the peacemaker, he was the preacher, he was the leader, he was had a line of people waiting to speak to him. He was doing all things and many well outside the grace he was gifted to operate in. And father-in-law Jethro had to come to him and say, Moses, you are wearing yourself out. You need to raise up leaders. You need to raise up people. So they set a structure in place. They got life groups. <laughs> they got leaders. They got people to join teams. They activated the body of Christ. And people were able to come and use their giftings that they graced to use to work with Moses so he wasn't carrying the whole load. Because we can't do everything, but we can all do something. And when we put our hand to the thing that God has gifted us and graced us to do, it's a joy. It's a joy for Luke to come up here and be a little crazy. It's a joy for Stephen to come up here and lead us into the presence of God. It's a joy for Beck's smiling face to be out welcoming everyone, isn't it? When we come in, it cheers up the grey day. It's a joy for Greg to come in and save the day on the tech desk because I don't have a clue, Billy will tell you. I'm so technophobic. It's a joy when we're doing the thing 
that we're graced to do. Not everyone has a prominent role, but everyone has an important role. And I always, when I'm talking about the body of Christ, I'm sorry for my friends that know this story, come back to this story of my best friend reconnecting with God in her 20s after many years out of church. She had received a flyer in the post and she um, was, and the flyer was inviting her to her local church and circumstances were tricky. She had young children. It was a rainy day. The day that the event was on and she thought, do you know what? God's prompting me. I'm just going to go. So she gets in her car. She drives to church with screaming kids. It's raining and pouring. The car park's muddy. It's a disaster. And the lovely man probably like Beth, with the umbrella, comes over, love, let me help you into the church, he takes her in, the pastoral care team with the lanyards gather around her, they help her, they find her a seat, they sit with her, she starts crying during the worship because the presence of God makes us cry, doesn't it? And the lady in the next one passes her a tissue. She said to me, the preach hadn't even started, purely, and I was saved. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, I just love that story because that's the power of the local church. That's the power of the body of Christ. Do you know when I first joined a church in the city, I actually joined the welcome team, met my husband. That's not the story. But by the by, what a bonus. Um, so, you know, if you're looking, an option. Um, I joined the welcome team, but I was the most enthusiastic, welcoming welcomer. I think I've got people in that weren't planning to come. I'm like, hey, welcome, come in. They're like, this is Kevin the Cafe. Come in, then go to the cafe. You know, whatever God gives us to do, whatever God's grace us to do, we can give it everything we've got and make a difference. It's a beautiful privilege. I'm going to stop yabbering on about that. Point three. When the church is filled with his presence, his power reaches others. When Jesus is our Lord, the pressure is off. We don't need to fill up our lives with a hundred things anymore because we come into his presence and he fills us up. He fills us up. We come into worship and we are filled with his presence. And, you know, I think that saying, living life to the full, in its true meaning, is living life full of the presence of God. Not living life full of a million activities, being overworked, overrun, overactivity, over social events, over everything. You know when you start being over things, that life's too full of things and not full enough of the presence of the Lord. So our goal is to be filled up with the Lord. I'm going to... Oh no, okay, it's all good. Um, in Luke 15, we read about Jesus hanging out with the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, the religious people, and people are getting nervous about who he's hanging out with and who he's eating with. And Jesus tells three stories. He tells a story about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the two lost sons. One was lost and knew he was lost. The other one was lost and didn't know he was lost. I don't know what's worse. I think not knowing you're lost and being lost is worse. I hope I haven't lost you in that point. <laughs> but the point is, there were some lost things. 
And you know, in all three stories, when the lost things found, there was joy in heaven over the one. There was joy in heaven over the one lost coin that was found. There was joy in heaven over the one sheep found. And there was joy in heaven over the sun being found. And I think heaven is probably a pretty joyful place. But there's one thing that causes heaven's joy level to dial up a notch. And that's when one person comes to repentance because they're connected with the Lord. And you know, when we are so filled up with the presence of God, when we come into his, this place and we're filled up and our life is full, we are constantly able to outflow our fullness of God to others. We have overflow. We have extra. We have margin for those around us. But if life is full of lots of things, we don't have time for anyone. We don't have any overflow. We don't have any extra. We don't have any margin. We just have a busy life. But when we allow ourselves to be filled, to allow our life to be full of the presence of God, the only natural thing that will happen is His presence will flow out of our life and in to the life of others. And you know, I've never seen myself as a great evangelist, but a few years ago, about seven years ago, we, my husband and I planted a congregation and I had an experience with a girl that I brought into the church where God made me realise he is doing so much work in the hearts of people around us that we don't have to do that work. We just participate in what he's doing. A few weeks ago, beautiful Maria, I don't know if she's here this morning, but she jumped up and she shared her phenomenal story about coming in, coming to Christ. It was amazing, wasn't it, Katie? We were in her life group so we could hear a bit more. She was talking about how God had been pressing on her heart for many months. Go to church, Maria. Go to church. And she had this whole story of a hard life leading into that moment. But it just took someone to participate with God, what God was already doing in her heart to say, Maria, I'll take you to church. <laughs> How easy is that? And he brought her to church and she received Christ and her life has never been the same again. Transformed by grace, transformed by the love of Christ, stepped into a new day, married, living a beautiful life. Wonderful story. All we have to do is participate in what God is already doing. And I just wonder this morning, I might ask the band to come up so I can close and all of that. I wonder where church is sitting for us this morning. I wonder if it's central to our world. I wonder if it's at the forefront of our mind. Or if it's something on the edge of our life that we consider as an hour on Sunday or whatever it might be. Because I want to tell you that what you do seven days a week is valuable to God, it's valuable to the church, and it's valuable to everyone around you. And when we centre it before the body of Christ, it allows God's glory to come in you and through all you do to reach others. So I wonder where you positioned church in your life. Are you actively engaged in church? 
And by that I don't mean you've got to be on a team or on a roster, although that might be something you want to do. I just mean, are you here? Are you here in the presence? Are you allowing the Lord to come into your heart and fill you? Are you hearing the word and letting it apply to your life? Are you connecting with those around you and allowing those connections to cause your world to flourish? Are you reaching out to others because you're so filled to overflowing with the beautiful presence of God that you have so much to offer, so much to give? Or are you feeling like you are just rushing from one thing to the next? Because there's no condemnation around that. We live in a world like that. But there's an opportunity to let that drop off us in the presence of a God. To drop those schedules, drop that busyness, and allow the Lord to fill our hearts with the beautiful peace beyond all understanding that might just change the life of the person next to you, the person in your workplace, the person in your family. So Lord, I ask you this morning, Lord, speak to us about what, we, what, what you would like to do in our lives moving forward. Would you like us to reposition you in your right place? Would you like us to engage a little deeper in all you're doing in the life of the church? Would you like us to reflect your glory in our workplace? Would you like us just to stop and take a moment in your presence a little more often, a little longer, and allow your beautiful peace to fill our hearts, change our mindsets, bring hope to the forefront of our heart. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand, church. We're going to sing one last song.